You've gone through the process and submitted your application to NIH, but it hasn't been reviewed yet. There's a time between those two things happening and you have something else that you think you want to put into your application. But what exactly is NIH's policy on submitting post-submission materials? My name is David Kossub and this is NIH's All About Grants. From the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, this is All About Grants. All right, welcome to the show. I'm glad to say that we have with us Dr. Stephanie Constant. She is NIH's Review Policy Officer and is gonna tell us everything we wanted to know about the uh, NIH's post-submission policy. Uh, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, David. Nice to be here. Absolutely. So, so you know, let's jump right in. What is what is the overarching goal of this policy? Why does it exist? So, um, post submission materials are there to provide applicants with an opportunity to share uh, some unforeseen events. Uh, this is the time between uh, submitting their application and the time that it gets reviewed. And so, uh, there are several examples of unforeseen events. Um, for example, a change in, in PI, uh, there could be changes or loss in personnel. And this is uh, a time for uh, applicants to be able to share this with reviewers and provide uh, new biosketches. Uh, there could be incidences where um, an applicant has received a new award and may need to revise the budget pages for the application under review. We also wanna hear about professional promotions. Um, Another one that I think a lot of applicants are not aware of is that if they want to submit a video as part of their application, they can't do this at the time of submission. Uh, videos can only come in as part of post-submission material. Another one, which I think is probably the most common one that we see is uh, applicants providing news of an article that's been accepted for publication. Uh, we don't want to hear about uh, that you've submitted uh, a, a paper for publication only if it's been accepted. And so, again, this is a way for uh, reviewers to see the progress has been made and, and the applicant and the team's been productive. So, so what about like uh, any additional new data? So additional new data is only allowed under very specific circumstances. There's actually a new uh, policy notice that was published recently, which outlines what uh, types of applications will be able to provide uh, additional preliminary data as part of post-submission materials. Uh, these are new applications, type one applications only, and the only activity codes for which they are allowed are the R01, R21, and RO3. Uh, and so there's lots of, uh, sounds like there's lots of different unforeseen uh, events um, that might be, you know, able to be submitted, you know, after uh, after one's application. I guess on the flip side, what can't? So essentially anything that's not listed uh, in the post-submission material notice is, is not allowed. Um, so uh, one example that we, we often hear about is, can I submit preprints? So preprints are a little different than a regular publication because they're not peer reviewed. And so preprints is an example of materials that we do not allow. They are allowed for the initial application. They're allowed for progress reports, 
but we don't consider them to be an unforeseen event because they can be submitted at any time. There's no um, time dependence uh, or waiting for reviewers to review uh, the article in question. So we don't consider that to be something that's unforeseen because the applicant has more control over when those get submitted and published. So think about it being unforeseen and not being able to be controlled. Makes sense. Um, exactly. Uh, so let's just say I have something. I, I have some some unforeseen events uh, that I want to report. Um, and, uh, you know, can I do it at any time? Uh, what's the process there? So you can. Um, the deadline is 30 calendar days before the review meeting. So you can submit these additional materials at, at any time after, in between submitting the application and the review meeting. Um, however, um, we strongly recommend that you wait um, because it, applicants can only submit one package of post-submission materials. And if you submit it very soon after you've submitted your original application, you may find, find several weeks down the line that you have more that you'd like to include and only one package is accepted. So we suggest that you wait for the SRO to reach out and say, you know, this is the timeline for submitting um, your post-submission materials. These are the instructions. Um, just hold off until you get that message from the, the SRO or scientific review officer. Uh, that way you don't miss out on being able to include as much as you can as part of these uh, extra materials. So, so one and done, it sounds like. Um, you know, right. More on the on the logistics side, more questions. Um, you know, who's submitting this these post-submission materials and, and where are they submitting them? Yeah, so again, uh, the SRO will provide instructions uh, when they reach out to applicants, um, but uh, it is the applicants that submit these materials. They come in as a single PDF file uh, via email. Um, however, what's important is that there has to be concurrence from the authorized organization representative, so that's the AOR, uh, and this can be in the form of a cover letter that's included uh, with the materials, or sometimes the AORs themselves um, submit it on behalf of the applicants. But this is important because we need to know that the, the institutional officials are aware that additional materials were submitted uh, from an applicant. And these additional materials, um, you know, when it comes to the review side of the house, um, are, are reviewers taking into the, in these materials into account when they're, you know, assessing, you know, the merit of an application? Yes, these materials must be taken into, into account. And, and the SROs uh, remind reviewers that these materials are there. They remind them where to find them. Uh, and even during review meetings, if they're not uh, raised uh, by a reviewer, an SRO may prompt reviewers to make sure that they have actually taken these or at least seen the materials and looked them over. So it sounds like uh, the SRO, the scientific review officer, you know, provides the instructions and it sounds like they could be a good sounding board, a good resource for applicants to communicate with on this on these policies. Um, can you talk more about that? Yes, absolutely. The SRO is your resource, uh, and that can be even for um, submitting the original application. They can provide you with help and guidance, uh, you know, what attachments are needed, uh, help submitting if there's some technical issues. But uh, yes, the SRO is your friend. Uh, please <laughs> reach out to them. Uh, if you have any questions at all about anything to do with your application, including uh, post-submission materials. 
you have a friend in your SRO. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Stephanie, this has been great to hear more about the post-submission policy here at NIH. Uh, before we go, I always like to leave the opportunity for our guests to you know, talk more, anything they want to say about this policy that they may not have said already or you know, re reiterate something else. You know, would you like to add anything? So, um, you know, take advantage of this. Uh, I think a lot of applicants don't. They feel that maybe this is, you know, the information isn't going to be useful. Reviewers aren't going to be reading it. Uh, it's an extra burden for reviewers or even the SRO, but but that's really not the case. Uh, you want to have the best application that you can and and new, new things may have happened. And I think um, that can help and help inform reviewers of, of you know, how you're doing. Um, but also the other thing I, I stress, please, please look at the notice and look at it very carefully. Again, it, it lists all the things that are allowable um, and um, you know, it has all the right instructions that you need to follow. Uh, so please be sure to, to look at that carefully. Wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie. And I and I echo that sentiment. Um, this has been a great opportunity to learn more about this policy and hear from you. You know, for those interested, also feel free and check out the NIH grants page on post-submission policies. Uh, there's a lot of information there, including the guide notice that we've been talking about. Um, also check out Center for Scientific Review. They have some good resources as well. This has been David Kossub with NIH's All About Grants. Thank you. Thank you.